Well, we are in a series, um, really a series of taking a look at how to renew our hope. And we started several weeks ago with a titled series called Home with Hope. And now we're switching it to the holidays with hope. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at one of the building blocks of hope, which is the goodness of God. And we're taking a look now at some characters in the Christmas story right along with Psalms 23. I just kind of meshed them together this season because I wanted to do something different. I want to start by taking a look at at part of the Christmas story. In fact, I've broken it up into four parts. And we're going to start with Mary because Mary obviously was anointed by God for a very special purpose of bringing our Savior into the world. And that story is relevant to you and I as well. And hopefully you'll discover that by the end of this message. Out of Luke 1, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Now, if we had this on your outlines, I'd have you circle that, favored. This is about God's goodness. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor. I'd have you circle that word again. With God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Because she's doubting this, the angel adds in some more information. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word, for the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded. In other words, she's surrendering to this plan. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary had an anointed life, and David in Psalms 23 mentions the anointing on his life. He says, you anoint my head with oil. You see, what in the world does this mean of having God's anointing? What in the world could it possibly mean to you and I and the life that we live right here and right now, especially as we look at God's goodness? Well, to understand this, you and I have to first understand who is doing the anointing. If your next door neighbor came over to you and said, I want to anoint you with oil and I'm going to proclaim you to be the king of the universe, do you think that that would change your life? I don't think so. Okay? Not at all. I mean, uh, who in the world are they? I mean, they could come over and say, you are the king of rock and roll, okay? It wouldn't matter a hill of beans because it all depends on who's doing the anointing. So let me explain this. There is an anointing by, by God which is internal. 
And there is an anointing by God or anointing by people, which is external. The anointing by God happens internally. In fact, read this. I've kind of put this out there for you. When God's Holy Spirit gives you insight, ability, stamina, authority, or protection that you don't normally have in order to do a job, and Mary had a job to do, that he has chosen you to do. Folks, that's anointing. When you have been anointed by God, God gives you a supernatural power, supernatural abilities, insights, wisdom, stamina. He gives you a protection for things that might come on your life so that you can do the job that God has predestined for you to do. Now, anointing by people is different. It is an outward symbol of the inner anointment, inner anointing that we've talked about. Read this right here. When someone prayerfully applies some oil to your skin as an outward sign of what God is doing inside of you. You see, God often gives us external symbols of an internal process that's going on. For instance, he's given us the Lord's Supper, has he not? All it is is an external symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection. He's given us baptism. It's just an external symbol of what has occurred within us, okay? These are outward symbols. They have nothing to do with our salvation because God has already done something inside of us. It's just like my wedding ring. My wedding ring is an outward symbol of an inner commitment that I made with, to my wife, I don't know, I'm glad she's not in this service, but I think it was like 45, seems like an eternity ago, okay? So when someone comes along and anoints someone with oil in the Bible, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of God's spirit, of God's presence, of God's blessing on their life. And there are a lot of different outcomes from it. So some come away with joy, some come away with confidence, some come away with healing, some come away with gladness or peace. There are different outcomes of this anointing that God has on a person. Now in the Old Testament, there are only three kinds of people that God anointed with oil, only three. The priests, the prophets, and the kings. In fact, even today, in some countries that kind of honor this authoritarian or authority structure of kings, they anoint them with oil as a symbol of God's approval. But back then, in Old Testament times, the prophet was the only one that could anoint a king. Now, things changed though when Jesus showed up on the, uh, on the scene, okay? When Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he resurrected, that broke the old system, allowing you and I to go directly to God. Today, we don't have to go through some priest to know of God's anointing on our life. We can go to him directly because of what Jesus did on the cross. So this may shock you, but according to the Bible, out of Peter, God looks at us now because of what Jesus did as priests. It's commonly referred to as the priesthood of believers. And today, we can do what priests did in Old Testament times. 
Now, at LifePoint, we don't call each other priest. Hey, priest Stan. Hey, priest Marty. Hey, priest Brian. You know, we don't do that here. What we do is we say this. Every member is a minister. And today, because of what Jesus did, you and I can do all the things that a priest did in the Old Testament. Now, to understand what it means to live an anointed life, to understand what it is, to, what, what the blessing of this anointing is, we have to go back to the basics, which are these. You are not an accident. When this happened with Mary, I guarantee you this, it planned out eternity ago. You gotta see this DVD of mine. It's called The Bethlehem Star. It is awesome. This was planned long ago. You are not an accident. You have been made by God and you have been made for God, just like Mary. In fact, the Bible says that before you were even born, God planned what he wanted you to do. It is called your calling. In the Greek, it's kaleo. In the Latin, it's vos, I think it's vose, okay? It's God calling you. Now, many people miss their calling. Why? Because they just want to go out and do their own thing. And that is why so many people are so unfulfilled. That is why so many people don't feel God's favor on their life. They're unhappy. They're unsatisfied. The only way that you can be fulfilled is to figure out your calling in life, what God has called you to do. And what God has called you to do isn't necessarily, although it might be, to be a pastor or a missionary. A lot of times when you think of this word, people think just of that, okay? No, you could be a calling to be a plumber. I mean, I could have used a plumber here a few weeks ago, okay? A calling to be an electrician or a calling to be a builder or a calling to be a mom or, or a dad, whatever. There's a lot of callings in life, okay? But here's what I want you to know and hear. You have a calling, just like Mary did. You got a calling. And what God has called you to do, he's anointed you to do. Take a look at this verse out of Ephesians 2. God made you what you are. And in Christ, will you circle that word, Christ? There's meaning to this. In Christ Jesus, God created us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. We'll talk about Christ a little bit later. Do you realize that before you were born, God planned the calling on your life? And this is where you get fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning and purpose in life. But here is the catch. You can't fulfill your calling the way God has called you to on your own power. You need God's anointing. His anointing gives you power. It gives you insight. It gives you energy. It gives you all that stuff that I wrote out there in that little paragraph to help you do what God has called you to do. So what I wanna do as we kick off this holiday season is I want us to take a look at the summary of anointing from Genesis through Revelation. And I am going to give you Pastor George's cliff notes, okay? This is Theology 101, okay, on anointing. The first one is simply this. When God appoints me, he anoints me. 
God never asks you to do something without providing you the necessary equipment, tools, whatever, to do it. When he gives you an assignment, he gives you the plan. He gives you the power, the strategy, his spirit. This happened to Mary. She's going, well, how's this possible? Don't worry about it. Holy Spirit's going to do it. And sure enough, it happened. God's appointing comes with God's anointing. Now, a lot of times when that happens and you realize that God's appointed you for something, you get scared. Mary got scared. But notice what the Father says here out of 1 Thessalonians 5. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Meaning that whatever God has called you to do, God is going to be faithful to do. He's going to give you the ability to do it. And this was true of Mary. But it was also true of others. When Jesus, first, when Jesus resurrected, his first assignment to his disciples was this. Hey, I want you to know I'm going to send the Holy Spirit into your life. And it's going to empower you so that you can go out into the Gospels. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to evangelize the whole world. And at that point in time, guess what? It was impossible. And yet they did it. Just read the book of Acts. It's all laid out there. They reached their world as they knew it. And so when God appoints you to do something, folks, he anoints you to do it. The second thing that the Bible says about anointing is that it makes me a better person. Now, you may be thinking right now that you've been really nice, that you're on Santa's nice list, okay? But it's nothing compared to what you could be with God's anointing. God's anointing on your life transforms you. Folks, it changes you. And there's a lot of examples of this in the Old Testament, okay? Out of 1 Samuel chapter 10, we see uh, Samuel, who is a prophet, anoint the first king of Israel, Saul. Notice this. Then Samuel took oil and poured it on Saul's head. That's the outward symbol. And said, God has anointed you to be the leader of his people. Now, if you read the rest of the story there that I've left out, he, Saul wasn't so sure. And so he, uh, Samuel added some more stuff to it to let him know this. He says, God's spirit will come on you in power. And you'll speak like a prophet. And you'll be changed into a different person. After this happens, do whatever you think is best because God will be with you. Will you circle the phrase, you'll be changed into a different person. You see, what is this saying? Simply this, that when God actually anoints your life, when you receive God's anointing on your life, things are gonna be different. You're gonna change. How, Pastor George? All kinds of ways. You're gonna be more competent. You're gonna be more confident. You're gonna be more calm. You're going to be more calm, cool, and collected with the things that God has called you to do. You're going to know that you're in the zone. When I step up here on Sunday mornings, people ask my wife this all the time, how's George at home? I'm nothing like I am on stage. I, I just sit back, I'm quiet. But when I, when I, someone doesn't believe that. Gary, I heard that. I'm going to put you on my naughty list. <laughs> But when I get up here, I feel God's power. God, you're in this. And so God changes you. And that's what happened to Saul. 
The third thing that we learn from the Bible is this, that God's anointing makes difficult tasks easier. It makes difficult tasks easier because you're not doing them in your power. You're doing them on God's power. Truly the difference between your power and God's power is the difference between night and day. And let me show you the difference between an anointed life and a non-anointed life. Take a look at Ephesians 3.16. From his unlimited resources, God will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Will you circle the phrase mighty inner strength? Now realize this. My strength is limited. My resources are limited. My knowledge is limited. My my wisdom is limited. My talents are limited. And by the way, so are yours. But God's are not. When you have God's anointing on your life, he puts things in you that you didn't even know that you had. So that you can what? Handle the things that come your way in order to fulfill the calling that is on your life. This was no doubt true for Mary. She was pregnant at an early age, a teenager. Can you imagine the rejection that she experienced? Yet God had anointed her life, and she handled it quite well. And with that anointing, you get an inner strength to go further, to go longer, because you have it. Now, you may sit here, and you may be thinking, well, how do you know when you don't have it? Oh, that's really simple. You're tired all the time. Why? Because you're trying to solve your problems. You're trying to live your life. You're trying to fulfill your purpose on your own power. And it runs out. God says, I will give you a mighty strength through my spirit. Now, there is a popular verse out there that we oftentimes refer to that Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 13. He says, I can do everything with the help of Christ. Will you circle that word again? Christ, who gives me the strength I need. If you're not dependent on Christ, if you haven't invited Christ into your life, and if you are not dependent on Christ, even after you have done that, meaning that you're being dependent on yourself, you're going to get worn out. You're going to be working outside, so to speak, the zone, your bullseye. So let me ask you this question. Are you trying to do all that you're trying to do on adrenaline or anointing? Because adrenaline runs out. Anointing, walking in it, in his power, never does. It just flows through you. It's limitless. It is supernatural. And Paul says, I can do everything with the help of Christ. So how would you fill in this blank? As we start this holiday season, how would you fill in this blank? I can do everything with the help of what? What got you through Thanksgiving with all the in-laws and outlaws? You know, that uncle that's one fry short of a happy meal, Okay. You know what I'm talking about? We all have one. If you don't know who they are, you're it, okay? How, how would you fill in that blank? I can do everything with the help of what? I can do everything with the help of medication. I can do everything with, with the help of that, those energy drinks. I can do everything uh, that I'm called to do because I got this big portfolio, uh, financial portfolio. I can do everything because of the friends, the family that are in my life. Or would you answer, I can do everything with the help 
of Christ. Why is Christ so important? Well, let me ask you this for, ask you this question. What does Christ mean? Oh, Pastor George, I got that one. No, I know it, I know it. Okay, what is it? It's his last name. Jesus Christ. Just like Stan Martin. It's Jesus Christ. Sorry, you're wrong. You know what Christ means? In the Greek, it means anointed one. He is the anointed one who gives you your anointing. Do you know what the anointed one is in Hebrew? The word is Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. Christ and Messiah are the same word, just in different languages, Greek and Hebrew. He is the anointed one who gives you your anointing your inner strength, your power, your stamina, your protection. So let's review. When God appoints me, he anoints me. God's anointing makes me a better person. It makes difficult tasks easier than number four. God's anointing makes the impossible possible. You see, God can do stuff that you can't even begin to imagine yourself doing and this is a big deal folks because in God's with God's calling on your life you are going to come up against some insurmountable problems Mary did and we'll talk about this later in this in this series as we build hope in our lives Mary did right off the bat she had her community against it she got pregnant out of wedlock right and there were others who were after we'll take a look at King Herod and how that all figures in to hope she had a lot of things working against her. Maybe you do too. Okay? You're going to come up against some things maybe in your vocation. I mean, how many of us here have lost a job? How many of us are without jobs right now? Or maybe you're a business owner. Or maybe it's with family. Or maybe it's with your finances. You see, when you're in that crisis, what do you depend on when it's beyond you? When you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'll tell you what you do. You depend on God's anointing. Because Jesus said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 3.20. God's power at work within us is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or even imagine. What is the greatest challenge that you are facing? Some of it might be relatives didn't come this this holiday, but they're coming at Christmas. Okay. See, what is it? Imagine a better outcome. Pastor George, I don't know if I can do that. I, I think it might be way over the top. God says, think of the biggest thing, and I'll top it. Paul says, God's power at work within us is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or dream about for our families, for our vocations, for our careers, for our education, for our dreams. The fifth thing that the Bible says about anointing is that God's anointing makes the imp, oh, that was the fifth thing, I guess. Fifth thing is, is this, that God's anoint, anoints my life to bless others. You see, God blesses you not just so that you feel good. 
lot of times we come to church, oh, it just makes me feel good. I just need to feel good. No, God anoints your life, not so that you feel good, but rather so that you will be a blessing to other people. God doesn't give you and I money. He doesn't give you and I family. He doesn't give you and I good looks or opportunities just for ourselves. No, he gives them so that we might be a channel to other people. That's why practical outlet is those four things that Ben referred to. God says, I want you to be a blessing to others. Now understand something. When you are a blessing to others, you get. That's why I say you give to get, to give to get, but it always ends on giving. When you give, you get blessed. You, you, you get blessed by being a channel. I even got to see this at, at Thanksgiving because someone uh, arranged a, um, uh, a scavenger hunt for my, my grandkids in the house, and it was a blast. And you should have seen the smile on that person's face who arranged it all. And the kids were enjoying it. They got blessed. And so did this person who thought of that. He says, wow, that is so cool. Now, Isaiah was a key prophet in regards to the prophecies of the first coming of Christ. But speaking of himself, in Isaiah 61, he says, you know, I'm getting this anointing on my life, not so that I become famous, but so that I can help six different kinds of people. Take a look at Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and he anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and the afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to announce freedom to captives, and to open the eyes of the blind. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor to them has come. I tell all to tell all who mourn that God will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, and praise instead of heaviness. Will you circle the phrase, anoint me, and then circle the words, anoint me to bring good news to the suffering, circle it, afflicted, number two, number three, brokenhearted, number four, captives, number five, the blind, and number six, the mourning. Folks, what amazing God we have, do we not? Who, is care, who cares about our needs, that cares about our physical needs, that cares about our emotional needs, that cares about our vocational needs. In Luke 14, Jesus is here. He's starting his ministry. He goes back to his hometown. They're reading out of the book of Isaiah. He turns to Isaiah 61, and he reads this passage, and he tells his audience, I'm it. I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. I am the anointed one that's going to bring blessings into your life. And the, and the, the apostles took that to the world. In Acts 10, 38, look at this. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit's power. He went around doing good and healing people who were beaten down by the devil. Will you circle three words? Circle God, circle Jesus, and circle the Holy Spirit. There is the Trinity in one verse. And all of the Trinity is focused on helping other people. You and I experiencing the goodness of God in our life. Wow. God wants that for you. He doesn't want this holiday season to be just about you. What gifts I'm gonna get? I better tell him this list. No, he wants you to be an anointing on other people. Me, Pastor George? Yeah, you. 
Because remember, you're a priest now. He has anointed you. Now I want to give a couple of practical applications to this. And the first one is simply this. When God anoints your career, it brings success. Genesis 39 verse 2 says this of Joseph. Because the Lord was with Joseph, he was greatly blessed so that everything he did succeeded. Would you like everything that you do vocationally to succeed? How many of us like that? Just put, 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 raise your hand. I would. Hello. Okay. Where does it come from? God's anointing on our life. Let me give you another practical outlet on this. Will you, um, when, when, and it's about our bodies. When God anoints your body, it brings health. You see, anointing for healing is one of the most common practices in the Bible. Did you realize that? Jesus did it. And he commissioned his disciples to do it too out of Mark 6, 13. You can read this on your own. Now, I bring this up because there's a lot of illness in our world, is there not? I, most of my cards are about family members or ourselves dealing with some kind of disease or sickness in our life. Now, I have to admit, or I have to say this, a lot of the sickness that we have, we bring in on ourselves. Wouldn't you agree with that? We don't eat right. We don't get our proper rest. We don't exercise. And yet the Bible tells us that there are three purposes behind illness. Let me give them to you. The first is for learning. God allows illness to teach us things. Psalms 119.71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so I could learn your truth. How many of us have learned something through pain? How many of us learned something flat on our backs? <laughs> I think we all have, okay? The second reason is this. It's for death. Well, Pastor George, that's not very positive. You're right. It's not. But if God healed all of our sicknesses, we would live forever, wouldn't we? And guess where we would live? On a broken planet. I call that hell on earth. I don't want to live forever on a broken planet. I want God to take me home to my true home. But there is a sickness unto death. There is a sickness unto learning. And then the third kind is, the, is that there is a sickness that brings glory to God. In John eleven four, 4, Jesus said, The purpose of his illness is not for death. Instead, the purpose of his illness is so that God will receive glory from this situation. Now you might ask, how can God get glory from an illness? Two ways. One is that he can heal the person, maybe miraculously, or maybe through the miracle of medicine and the wisdom that God has given doctors. Or the other way that God can get glory is when you're not healed, but you persevere. You build character and you persevere through it. You keep your commitment to Christ and you don't deny that. Either way, God gets glory. And I've done three funerals and I got one more to do where two individuals, Gil Erskine, died at 96 and he sang a song of praise the day before he died. He persevered to the end. And then Michael Gregg, 55, that died 
of throat cancer. Didn't smoke, didn't chew, didn't go with girls that do. But in correspondence with him, went to see him, talked with him. But even up to the day, a couple of days before he died, he's texting, George, I got this. I know Christ. I know where I'm going. God gets glory either way, either through healing you and you telling people, God healed me, or you persevere. What God has called us to do is to pray. He's called me to pray. And sometimes God answers the prayer and you get healed. And sometimes God doesn't. My, you might ask why. I don't know why. I'm just doing what God has told me to do. Now this leads to the sixth thing about anointing. And that is this, that you and I need a fresh anointing. And I say that because anointed by the Holy Spirit in your life can't be stored up. You can't live off yesterday's meat, can you? How long can you keep that meat around? Can't, okay? I don't know, a couple days maybe. A lot of people, I've said, hey, Pastor George, back in 1992, I just felt God was really close. I mean, I was moved to tears. It was an emotional thing in my life. I said, well, that is exciting, man. That was 25 years ago. Have you had any fresh ones? No. You're still living off that one? Folks, that isn't how it works. God's anointing, God's blessing is like manna from heaven. You and I need it every day. You need fresh manna one day, and then you need fresh manna the next day, and then you need fresh manna the next day, and the next one after that. You may sit here and say, well, how in the world do I lose this anointing on my life? Oh, folks, there's all kinds of ways. You can lose it through pride. You can lose it through secret sin. You can lose it by not spending time with God. You can lose it by not gathering with God's people and worshiping. There's all kinds of ways that you and I can lose that anointing on our life. And history is littered with people who had God's anointing, who are experiencing blessings, and bam, they're gone. Why? Two reasons. One, they tried to control it, or the other one, they, they considered it too lightly. You and I need a fresh anointing, and God wants to fill you with his grace and his love and his power. The problem, though, is this. We leak, don't we? Our passion leaks at Christmas. Our attitudes, man, I can't wait till this is over with. I can't wait for it. Our power leaks, our grace leaks, our vision leaks, just like a balloon that's filled with helium. You and I need a fresh filling of God's anointing every day of our life so that we can handle today's problems because yesterday's anointing does not solve today's problems. You and I have got to stay in touch with our creator God. And this is what Hosea talks about in Hosea 10, 12. Sow new seeds. Will you circle new seeds? That is a metaphor for anointing. Sow new seeds of righteousness and you'll reap the fruit of my love and break up your old hardened ground. It's time to turn to me and seek the Lord and then I'll come and shower new blessings on you. He says, maybe your heart has gotten old and crusty. You do things because it's just what you do this time of year, okay? It's gotten hard and crusty. You don't have the joy of the Lord that you first had, maybe when you first came to Christ. What do you do? Well, Hosea lays it out there. Will you circle the word so? He says, pray. 
pray, sow seeds of righteousness. Circle the word break up. Break up hollow ground. What's that about? It's about humbly confessing. Number three, circle the word turn back. Turn back to God. That's pretty clear. And then circle the phrase seek. That's pretty clear too. You seek God through his word, through worship with God's people. You seek God. And the result is that God will shower you with blessings. Folks, it has everything to keeping our hope quotient up by recognizing the goodness of God. And how do you get it? Well, Hosea lays it out. You ask. You ask for it. When was the last time you asked for God's anointing on your career? Not for yourself but for other people. I ask God that every day. God, I'm at the top of the chain. I'm glad you're above me. But anoint me, God. Not for me, but for 1,500 people that come here every week. When was the last time you asked for God's anointing on your finances? Not for you, but so that you can be a giver. When was the last time you asked for God's anointing on your marriage? Not so that there's no conflict in the home, but that your marriage can have an impact and mentor other couples. When was the last time you asked for God's anointing on your family? Not that there's peace with brothers and sisters and sons and daughters, so that there's peace in the home, so that you can be an example for a larger community. We have not because we ask not. Mary was anointed by God. Pretty obvious. God had a special purpose for her. She experienced God's favor. So much so that she says, I am most blessed amongst women. And when you know of God's favor on your life, you'll have the same response. I don't know anyone that's been more blessed than I have. Folks, I just got back from Disney World with my grandkids. I was the most blessed grandpa in the whole wide world. That's what God wants you and I to have. But we gotta ask for it. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this season that we're entering into and how you're a a good God and that you're a good God all the time. That you bless us and that you show our favor, that you show favor on us by anointing us truly with your Holy Spirit. That today, because of what you did on the cross, and by resurrecting, you gave us your spirit that dwells within us. And God, may we not be those who who squelch it, that take advantage of your grace and your mercy that you have shown us through your Holy Spirit. But rather, may we fan it into flame. May we ask for your favor, not that we might spend it on ourselves, but that we truly, that we might be recognized as Christ followers individually, as Christian couples married, as a Christian family with our, our, our cousins and our aunts and uncles and, and, our, and our children, God, that we might be a light, that we might be a candle in the dark, God, just drawing people to yourself. And so, God, as we begin this journey, we just ask you for it. We ask you for it 
individually, and we ask you for it in the way of our marriages. We ask you for it in the way of our families. God, I ask you that you would anoint our church with your spirit. We, that we would know your favor, God. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are, God. We give you this. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.